Valerie Lucchetti, mom of three boys from Maryland, a board member for the IMF Family Association. She will talk about her own public school education in the French part of Switzerland, and the five educational system in four languages her children have gone through so far. Through her podcast, Perfect Strangers, she explores the meaning of belonging, culture shock, and what's in common that we all share as human beings. I'm Jessica, and this is Duct Tape Rocket Ship. Changing how parents help out our public schools. In this episode, we're talking about the differences among school systems in both public and private sectors in Switzerland and the United States. Despite all the differences, parents' expectations on education are roughly the same: quality learning and a joy in life. The delicate dance between helping our children to reach their learning goal and not to overstressing them, and more importantly, viewing our differences not as weaknesses but opportunities for us all to contribute and make our lives better together. Hello, Valerie. Hello, Jessica. How are you? Thank you for meeting me today. It's wonderful having you. Uh, I'm excited to be a guest for once. <laughs> I'm curious to see、uh, how it is to be a guest. So thank you for inviting me. As you know, my podcast is about public schools, and I'm especially curious about my guest's educational background. So where did you go to school from K through twelve? I grew up in Switzerland, so the the system it's different because instead of being inclusive, that everybody goes together till the end of high school. It's a selective system, so at math time you would already pass an exam when you were at the end of fourth grade to go on a secondary level. So they would already、uh, separate the children quite young, and you、mm-hmm. had you know one day and a half of exams, and you had to go to this big school for this exam. It's well, it was quite impressive. So now they still do it, but it's two years later now. So it's at the end of sixth year. And so, as it's selective, naturally you go faster than other kids, and then you are prepared to go to university. And other kids, they go or to professional school, or to、uh, what do they call it, apprenticeship, where you learn、mm-hmm. a, a trade and you go to school one or twice a week. So the the system is really different. And when I was a kid, everybody was going to public school. You would never think I'm going to go to private school because the only one who would go to private school were either super rich people that wouldn't like their kids to mix with normal population, or the one who had difficulties. You know, if you were really in trouble at school, then you would consider paying private school. But for all the rest of the school, the the kids, there was no questions. Because the the school system was good and you know everybody was happy with it,、mm. and that's how it worked. And I, I, at that time, there wasn't much this elite difference. You wouldn't look downwards to the one who would go for apprenticeship. You know, I had friends who did both,、uh, went to university or did apprenticeship, and you didn't care. I mean,、yeah. there was no value put on. Where you go, and you didn't have any, you 
you had only public universities in Switzerland, so there was no question about which university you're going to, uh, which one is the most prestigious. I mean, the system was simple. I see. Uh, so then, you know, I grew up in this system where <laughs> things were quite simple, and then I moved uh, with my kids. Then I had to ask myself these questions that I would have never have asked myself if I stayed in Switzerland. They would have gone also to the public school, and that's all. Yeah. But then we moved for one year in San Francisco. So the system in San Francisco, you have to enroll your children in your neighborhood school till I think it was the end of April. And after they open to everybody. So everybody from other neighborhoods can apply to that school. Mm-hmm. And as we were coming only in August there, and we didn't have any proof or residency before that. They said to us that we could enroll our children, but they had no idea where they would be. They could be far away in San Francisco because they would be where there was still space. And for us, it was complicated to have no clue about where they would be. So it was the first time we we, decided to put them in a private school. Mm-hmm. That was in our neighborhood. There was a private Catholic school. And we did that because, you know, the, the alternative was not good for us have, to have no idea what it would be like, how far it would be. And, uh, yeah. And so then, you know, they went to these private schools. They were lucky because they didn't speak English, my kids. But in Switzerland, there was, it was an Italian public school. Mm-hmm. And it was half Italian, half uh, German. Mm. And my oldest son came to San Francisco in fourth grade. But super luckily, his teacher was Italian. She migrated to the United States when she was 13 years old. Wow. So she spoke perfectly uh, Italian. So she could explain to him. And at first, he was authorized to write in Italian. Oh, wow. So that was luck because, you know. It's hard for children when they arrive in a new school and they don't speak the language. You know, he did uh, was entered first grade. He couldn't understand the teacher, and the teacher didn't understand him. So at first, that was really tough. Did he go through the ESL program? No, there wasn't a ESL program at that school. I had no idea it even existed. Wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess we were an exception. They weren't uh, uh, children who were coming from other countries. Mm. I mean, mainly they were American children. I see. So I guess they didn't have to to deal with uh, kids who don't speak the the language. I see. Wow. That is a big challenge, especially he was a small kid back then. Yeah, yeah, no, not that was. But I mean, we were lucky too because his teacher, um, the one who was in first grade, she couldn't understand him, but she was super sweet. So she would laugh and he would laugh at a certain point when they didn't understand each other. and He learned. (laughs) I see. How did he eventually learn to communicate? Well, you know, at that age, it goes fast. And you're in a classroom with other kids and you have to observe, you know. First, he couldn't speak. And then after three months, then he was speaking and understanding. And I, I have to say that the advantage that, we were living in the German part of Switzerland, which is Swiss German. They were in a school where it was in Italian and German, and out of outside of the school, people were speaking Swiss German, and at home we were speaking French. 
So from a very young age, they knew that there were different languages and they had to figure out, you know, and try to understand how it worked. And I'm sure that helps a lot when you have already faced these kind of situations and you develop other way of understanding. So you look much more at people or the, you know, the gesture, what they are doing to try to figure out, you know, what they are saying. Yeah, that's an excellent point because many guests I interviewed said they struggled with English when they first came to the country. But your kids were exposed to multiple languages already. So they had already figured out the differences and then they learned the skills. Exactly. Wow. (laughs) That's something. And and it it helps later on, of course. But it means that uh, also that they spoke later. You know, and I had some friends who say, oh, you shouldn't speak Italian. Because first I was speaking Italian to my kids before they went to school. They said, you shouldn't do that because for them it's very confusing to have their mom who doesn't speak because Italian is not my mother tongue. I and see. she said, it's not good for children when the mother doesn't speak a mother tongue because it's not then. And I was kind of, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I, want to, I mean, it's not my first language, but I I speak it perfectly, and you know, for me, I mean, I I could speak Italian to my kids and still transfer my love to them through my language because she was saying, you know, it has to, to come from your know, mother tongue because it's your affection, and uh, and I'm glad I didn't listen to her. <laughs> it's so interesting. So, how did you learn Italian? You know, mainly at school and uh, when we were going to Italy to see the family because my father never spoke Italian to me. When he came to Switzerland, he didn't speak French. My mother didn't speak Italian, so she spoke English together. And at that time, I mean, I had a lot of people my generation who had peop- uh, parents who spoke different languages, they never really realized the richness of speaking their own language to the children. So, you know, my husband, for example, their parents, they used to speak Arabic at home, but they never taught him neither because you didn't think at that time, oh, that's going to be good for my child to have another language. You would try to just blend in the culture and get them, you know, have a good level of the language in the culture in which you were or not. Oh, wow. This is so fascinating to me. Because as you know, that I actually speak to my kids in English, and the English is not my mother tongue. So (laughs) me too, I didn't follow the advice of speaking the mother tongue to your Mm -hmm. kids, even though I knew it. But I didn't do it, just like you. It's a very, language is a very sensitive point. Because language, it's your culture, it's your parents, it's your family, it's a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. So your dad is Italian. Yes. And your mom is it's Swiss. Uh, your mom is Swiss. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. How about your husband? So my husband, uh, his father is uh, half Lebanese, half Syrian. Okay. And his mother, she's half Syrian, half European. But both grew up in Egypt, so they spoke Arabic. Oh, and I French. I see. Yeah, and my, my husband doesn't speak Arabic because they were speaking Arabic when they didn't want him to understand what was going on. I see. I see. Sometimes you use a language too. That's a coded language. <laughs> exactly. 
Wow. But yeah, language, I mean, yeah. I mean, but in Switzerland, language, it's a very important thing. I mean, you have, you learned at least three languages at school. Yeah. And it's not like getting in contact with another culture. It's really you learn the language to be able to speak it and use it. Yeah. Not, not as a cultural introduction that, like you often see here. Uh, more like, you know, really a study, academic study of a language. You mean like a, it's a more like a tool to communicate? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, I've, I have understood that the American way of teaching languages is much more on a cultural basis to learn about another culture, another country, and uh, less about academics. The language is supposed to reflect culture, right? Yes, yes, it is. It is a culture. But, you know, when we learned it in school, it was to be used later on when we work. Because then you have the other part of the country speak German and the part speak Italian. And so it's really to be used later on in your life. And I, I have the impression here, at least where I live in Maryland, that language is more to be open to other cultures. You learn about other cultures, so you learn it. And at the same time, you learn some language. But the level you get, it's, I mean, it would be considered quite poor in Swiss standards, you know, like, and I meet all these people who said they did French in high school or Spanish or whatever, and it's very, very basic. basic. At the end, when I finished high school, my level was was high in all the language that I studied. So it's another, it's another goal. I mean, mm -hmm. you don't learn it for the same goal. It's actually sparked a really interesting topic. I'm curious to learn about your thoughts on the subject-driven learning. For example, when you say, we'll learn language with a different goal, the goal is actually the guideline that determines how the learning is arranged and, and then how that's affected the results, right? Mm -hmm. Is that something that you noticed between the education that you had with your children's education? How many hours do you have? No, <laughs> no but I mean, no, but I loved your subject because education is fascinating and I never thought too much about it before I came to Washington, D.C. to live. And then I had to ask myself this question, where will my children go to school? Because, you know, my, my husband's company helped us to pay the private school, though then it means I can choose. It's like going to the shopping center, you know, you, you can go. And I have friends who went around and visit, I don't know, many schools, there are so many here. And I found that crazy, you know, like, is education really a, a market thing, you know? And then I realized that I was beginning to, to think about it. What are the differences between the public American system and the different kind of private school? You know, you have the one like the British school, the French school, you know, and then you have all things like different approaches with art, you know, with I guess now they've been through four different educational systems mm -hmm. between San Francisco and Switzerland, and now they went to the French school when we arrived here. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to be able to write in their own language because their mother tongue is French, and I think it's sad for a child not to be able to write in his own language. I think it's very important. But then I was a little bit shocked by the French system because I had the impression it didn't change in 30 years in pedagogically. 
the way it's taught, I was really surprised that things haven't moved that much. And after three years, I decided, okay, enough. And I decided to put them in the American public system. I thought, you know, that way they can get out of the ghetto mm-hmm. of the expats and, you know, mix with American, know more about the American culture. I have to say they were very happy in the American system. And I would say that a very positive thing is that teachers are very encouraging, always. And the kids are very nice. You know, I remember my oldest son, this first day, it was in 10th grade. He arrived in 10th grade. He had to do a presentation. He was so stressed because it was in English and he had to give his opinion and he was not used to that. And after the presentation, a guy he didn't know from the classroom said, wow, very good job. And he was so surprised. Somebody he didn't even know was, would congratulate him. And, you know, that's the thing that don't happen in the French school because you are in a competitive system when somebody else is very good, then he might be better than you and it's no good for you. And in the French system, you know the, the grades from the others from the classroom. So, you know, all the time where you are in the classroom, what is your level, if you are under the, you know, the average. And so, you know, then I discovered that there are things I really enjoy in the French system and others in the American system. So ideally, ideally, you would mix both. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how it was where you grew up and if you have the same... You feel the same as I do. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, there are a yeah. lot of things I don't like in the French system. And I didn't grow up in the French system. I think it's very rigid. Yeah. But there is a rigor to it that okay. I really like. For children who want to go on with academics later on, I think it's much more rigorous than the American system. I see. But on the other side, if you think about children's self-confidence... The American system is a lot about children's self-confidence and uh, that lacks, that really lacks in the French system, I find. So it's hard then to make a choice because you want your child to be able to have both. Yes. You want your child to be able to be self-confident and to have enough academics to then decide what he wants to do later on, you know, and to, to, work, to, to learn or to work really uh, in a neat way, in a structured way, and you know, <laughs> and of course, I mean, I've speak, I've spoken with a lot of people from Europe and from Eastern Europe, and sometimes it just takes the hair out of their head. You know, this in the, especially the elementary system, they think it's such a mess. For them, it's incredible. You know, it's too, it's too different from the system they grew up with. The educational system for them, it's like a catastrophe. <laughs> and I think I, I read it a bit in between. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I can see all the good it did to my children to be in that system where they are encouraged by the teachers. But I can give you a, another, an anecdote that I find funny. I interviewed a, a woman, a French woman. Mm-hmm. And she said, yeah, my son, I had one son in the French system. And you go to see the teachers for the parent-teacher conference. Mm-hmm. And they say, yeah, the grades, this doesn't work, and this, this, this. And I say, okay, but how is my son doing at school? Does he, does he seem happy? You know, like, 
And the teachers, they don't care about that. They don't speak about that. And then she goes to the parent-teacher conference for, from a other son, you know, in the American school. And they say, oh, your son is so great. He's marvelous. He's doing good. And she said, yeah, but what about the grades? And the teacher is like, oh, you want to know the grades? And she has to look. <laughs> That's also pretty much the difference between the Chinese schools and the American schools. <laughs> Yeah, that the system that I grew up with, parents were not involved in the education system. So school mm-hmm. has a full authority. Yeah, yeah, on learning and the teaching and the discipline, and uh, it's all about good results. Yeah, though no, I can imagine the Chinese system is not so far away from a lot of countries in Europe. And I guess the the American system is the one where it's from the at the end of the spectrum. And uh, it works. I mean, it's good for a lot of children, but it's true that I realized we had to push to get our son get on higher level because the teachers, for example, at some point he was in maths coming from the French system and we wanted to, to him to go further in maths because they have different levels. And the teacher said, mm, you know, I'm not for it because... If you change level and you fail, it's worse for children. So we prefer not to push them. And we know our child, so we knew perfectly he could do it. But if you don't make him do it, then he's going to be at the rhythm of the, the other level. So we said, yeah, we really think our child can do it. And we insisted until then they changed him. And he didn't have any problem. But the thing is, you know, we realize that if you don't push for that, then your child won't get to the highest level and then he won't go back. We wanted to send him back to university in Switzerland. He doesn't have what he needs to go to it because he needs to do the AP math to go back in a university in Switzerland. If you don't push for these levels before, you don't get there. Yeah. And so... The system is good for children because, you know, it encourages them, but you have to be careful that they have what they need to make choices after. You don't want to be always, oh, that's great, you know, it's great, you're doing great. And then you realize too late that, yeah, it's great, but now he wants to study, I don't know, physics. He doesn't have what he needs. So to get him the academics he needs and you yeah. think he, he can achieve. Of course, if he struggles, you wouldn't push too hard on a child. I'm not for that because a lot of children are, are stressed yeah. where I live because it's the kind of neighborhood where, you know, all the parents went to university. So it's for them, it's clear that their children need to go to the best university and they push and they push and they go, you know, they have tutoring and in summer they have these extra curriculum thing and it's like so much stress on these kids so I'm not for that thank you for sharing all this great thoughts and insights I agree with you like how to balance the resilience with the confidence yes yeah and then the kids got a really hard time once they entered the university because they don't have all the skills they don't have all the knowledge to succeed mm-hmm then it's a huge setback that the, the kids have to digest themselves and then learn the reality in a very hard way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm curious that now you see that how the technology changed our lives, not only changed our lives, but also changed our jobs and the job requirements, change how we respond to mm-hmm. people and things around us. So 
Do you have concerns about whether our children are prepared when they grow up? Well, I would say that my own thoughts about it is、mm. the market changed so fast. The job requirements in the future it's gonna get so fast. We don't know how it would be in you know fifteen years from now. So then you need kids who are creative and flexible, that are able to learn fast and to adapt. So I would think that a completely rigid system is not good. Traditional system, I wouldn't say it's good for the children. So you need to make them, you know, really be able to take initiatives and think outside the box. And I think that's the future. So、uh, you need to give them space at school for that. And to not judge creativity, encourage it, but still with some limits, of course. You know, like, <laughs> yeah,、uh, I think that's very important to be creative and think outside the box. You still need some structure, and I see that with my youngest son, who is in the Montessori school. I love that the Montessori system.、Mm-hmm. But it's with this encouragement, and sometimes I have to say to my child, "I'm sorry, but what you did was not very good." I get offended. I say, "I need it. I need to say that to you because I mean, the reality is the reality. I can't always say, 'Oh, it's a great job. It's a great job.' Because you then, how can you improve if you are not able to receive critics and to see what?" That your work can be improved. Yeah. So for the future, I don't know can they implement that at school, but I I really think they need space for creativity, but still、uh, with structure to funnel that creativity, not whatever creativity, you know, not like. <laughs> yeah, and I think there have a lot of been a lot of scientific studies that they could you know use now schools to to improve things about pedagogics, about learning, about a lot of things. Yeah. About the brain, you know how you learn and、uh, why you learn well or not, and what helps you to, you know, thrive and. Yeah, I see that your podcast cover image. I always love that image. Perfect strangers <laughs> with Valerie, available on Apple Podcast, right?、Uh, yes. Is、and、there Spotify. any a Spotify? Yeah, and a Spotify and a simple cast.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I I understand you interview expats. Yeah, mainly is expats. I mean, it's, it's the idea is to interview people who had to moved, had to move at certain point in their life to a new place. Yeah,、But、it's true that I'm surrounded mainly by expats, so it's harder for me to find people. Who are migrants or refugees, or but I would like to to interview more of these people, you know, to hear about the experience. So I'm curious because I think people who are immigrant or live abroad has so much to contribute and share with the people in their new country or new neighborhoods, and so we can learn from each other. I think to me that's a very important collaborative way. Of course. Of living now, yeah, and create impact around them. I think,、uh, I mean, it's not many people who are going to come in a new country and have an impact because very often they just retreat to their own group.、Mm. You know, you are expat, and then you're going to look for people who are like you, 
yeah. after a while you try first you think maybe i'm gonna get to know the culture and get friends with people and then realized it's not so easy and there are differences and you don't understand exactly what's going on because they are not really like you all these people <laughs> and people tend often to go back to their group yeah what i've seen that a lot of parents who are not convinced about the american uh, public education uh find the money to put their children in private school. They won't try to change the system. Well, Valerie, you created the impact already by hosting your podcast and interview experts and have people share their stories. Well, I mean, stories, that's something I can say. It's powerful because we as human work with stories. We are always telling ourselves stories and telling stories to other people. Yeah. And uh, that's the way you, you change people too, by telling stories and then they can understand and uh, uh, have empathy, be in your shoes. Mm -hmm. I know that you are very selective. You have a thoughts about who you want to be on the show. These interviews are available for everyone to listen. That is a generous act. Thank you. That's very kind of you to yeah. say that. I mean, but I mean to 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 go back to your question at the beginning, saying as as migrants, what can we bring to the country? And of course, when you arrive in a new place, you have a way of looking at things that you will lose with time living in the country. But at first, you can share a very rich experience because you can see. You know, maybe what doesn't work well or could be different and uh, you can share what's your own experiences. So it's a very rich contribution you can make. Yeah. Uh, and I guess you can have it on your own country too after a while. You know, if no, you Absolutely. go back to China, you would have an American way of looking at things, you know, with your experience in America, you could share with people back there. Yes, about things that could be done differently. So I think, yeah, migrants can bring a lot of things to the new country where they go. And the contribution can be very valuable. It's not one of judging and say, oh, the way you do things, it's really bad because where we, the way we do yeah. things at home, it's so much better. But to see what's good in every system and how you can, you know, have a, a gentle but critical look on things. You know? Yes. And I, I, I agree with you. I mean, it can be a great contribution. Yeah, I do too. I think when we look at ourselves as an individual, like when we take ourselves out of the country that we grew up, and then we go to another country, we learn a bunch of new things, and then we turn around to even look at the country where we are from. It's a different perspective. And, and anything we say as individual, we're genuinely concerned about the issues that we wanted to be better. Mm -hmm. The same thing that you said about the school system, like American school system, Swiss school system, or French school system. I look at the country between China and the, and the U.S. I was thinking if the two countries can borrow the good things from each other, the, both of them would be much better. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Exactly. Exactly. And I like when they do things like I know that some American committee went to Switzerland to look at the apprenticeship system. Yeah. 
to do it back here because uh, I know that it's there are private NGOs, for example, in Washington who do that. So they give apprenticeship to young people who don't finish high school, for example, and then they learn different trades. But it's done mainly on a private basis by NGOs. But yeah. there is an interest in doing that by the state. So they went abroad to look at different system, educational yeah. system, to see what they could uh, take from that. And I love when they do that, you know go and other country come here and everybody can see what the others do and yes. what they do uh, better well. and what they do less better and try to find, as you say, a good combination of different solutions. I have to say, I really love uh, your idea of podcast because education, it's a big, big theme with all the parents. And I mean, when you leave your country, it's a think you have to think about with your children what you're going to do and hold the system it's very important for parents you need to be able to trust the system yeah. and be confident because they, they send their children to school so it's very important well what are they going to teach they're going to teach to my children you know what values you know and culture so it's very important school and i love the title of your podcast I, what is funny is like with a with a title like that Swiss people wouldn't understand what you speak about because it's so American, because it's the science fair project. It's, that's the thing you see in a movie when you are in Switzerland, but you never did in school. Thank you so much, Valerie. But thank you for inviting me, Jessica. I really enjoyed it. If you are a parent in the public schools and would like to be my guest on the show, I would love to have you. Here's how. Visit my website, jessicazo.com, and submit your request, or follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you for listening, and see you next time. Mm-hmm.